The Trader Cobb Crypto Show, talking business in blockchain. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the TraderCobb Crypto Show. Today's guest, man, I don't think I've had a guest who's been doing quite so much uh, across the technology board, but also AI and in blockchain in a really, really big way. It's Dennis, Dennis Guada, the founder of Stadium. I think I've pronounced all of that really, really badly, so apologies if I have. I've been practicing and I think I just failed you heavily, mate. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's a pleasure. Well, thank you so much for having me. Excellent. Well, look, Dennis, you've, you've really been a busy man. Uh, I mean, I've had a look through the various businesses that you've uh, been involved with. I've had a look through your team. I've had a look through, you know, what sectors you're in. And it's very clear that you've got a very, very clear uh, objective to basically be all over technology. Can you tell us a little bit about what the company's doing at the moment and what the main focus is? Yeah, I think, well, probably as an introduction for you and your audience, I think yeah. I, I have always three hats, okay? So the first one, of course, is an author and writer. So I have actually two books coming and it wow. might be interesting. So, so I write a lot, uh, mostly about trends, about crypto, about blockchain and about, uh, I think the, I like to think about the present and the future. And of course, this is a very important thing. So this area of writer and I've been as well, teaching although right now I don't have time to teach and then of course as, as an entrepreneur I created Studio um, that is kind of my biggest uh, platform but I have as well Dragon Block that is um, that is a fund specialized in initially was actually tokenizing some assets and it's something we want to explore going forward but is a fund specialized in, in uh, the, the, the difference the new emerging technologies of blockchain AI and fintech and as well medtech um, and this is the biggest things and of course in studium there's a lot of things and I'm involved in another probably five companies especially one Freedomy that is a, a blockchain platform for uh, fashion industry yeah. and it's a pleasure that I like a lot and there's one project as well that is in the follow-up of some of the things I did I, I created a, um, some time ago a, a crypto platform and blockchain for financial empowerment and I'm coming back to this to a new project on that focus and using um, blockchain and the app that we build to create a financial empowerment platform so creating two directories one directory and one app for enabling financial empowerment that can use both fiat and crypto so in a nutshell is this and of course I I like to do things so <laughs> and I mentioned the third head so the third head is um I'm a bit of an activist, um, not a bit, but uh, in the sense of uh, all these areas of innovation and especially I'm, I'm a huge um, fan of crypto, but not from the sense of uh, the, um, and I think on that I'm very sensitive and probably more polemic, but I, I love crypto as an innovation technology yep. and uh, not so much the speculation, although I have I've been trading and being on the trading industry for a long time. But I think if you want crypto to become mainstream, we need to focus on creating value, less more mm. than speculate. Yeah. But of course, I'm, I'm, I have the head of technologist and I have the head of trader and I separate these two heads. And I think I'm sure that everyone in your audience should be doing the same. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I, mean, it's, it's, yeah, I think yeah. it's something that we, we try and distinguish quite significantly. I mean, with, with the way that I go through things and teach people when I'm doing it, 
it's about understanding more than just about pulling the trigger. You know, people think that all they want is a trading strategy. And what they find out is that the trading strategy itself, well, that doesn't make you a great trader. You can have the same strategy as me and you might get the same results. It's about routine. It's about lifestyle. It's about planning. It's about structure. It's about feeling good. And, uh, and that comes with practice. So I'm the same. Like we've got a lot on a lot of different businesses and uh, we're continuing to grow that. And, um, you know, when I trade, I have to be a different person to what I am right now with you when I'm with you and I'm doing my guest stuff with interviews and whatnot. I put on my normal face, my Craig, the normal Craig Cobb, right? That's who I am when I'm with you. But when I'm trading, I'm an accountant with short sleeves tucked in with a brown tie and, and brown trousers with very simple brown leather shoes. That's who I become because that's who I have to be to navigate the market. So I totally understand where you're coming from. I mean, with so much on, you've got so much going on. What is at the moment taking up a lot of your focus as far as something that's exciting you um, for the present and building? Because it sounds to me like you're not just an entrepreneur who wants to make money. You're an activist. You, you've, you've got things you're passionate about, but you're trying to build a brighter future, so to speak, from what I've seen thus far. So what's the area where you think you can impact uh, with your expertise and your teams at the moment the most? Well, definitely is the, the focus between blockchain and AI. Yeah. Um, and there's the software that we build, BlockCNA. And as well, um, so this software is an app that is a white label platform that is in a nutshell, is like a WeChat and an Amazon together. Wow. So we have both, both the capacity of having a messaging where you can actually send money. Yep. Initially, we want to do it mostly with crypto, but then we understood that we have still to come back to reality. So we have the capacity to use both crypto and fiat. Uh, and actually, it was quite interesting from the crypto part because initially we were trying to to get the capacity for you to just uh, transfer crypto from peer to peer. Mm. But then we discovered that actually, ironically, there were almost no APIs in the world for us to do it. So we actually had to invent a lot of things as we do it. So that's... we. I think a lot of the things in trading, we, we take it for granted, especially people like us that are in crypto hardcore, but nothing is done. And for us today is actually an interesting day because it's the 40th anniversary of the World Wide Web. So uh, today? <laughs> yeah, today. So, wow. <laughs> so it's interesting that uh, it was 30 years and we still have a huge part of the world population in the world that still doesn't have access to that. So, so I think... Yeah. Um, so I think in crypto, of course, people take things for granted because it starts, well, not so long time ago. Let's put it that way. <laughs> well, we have Bitcoin in 2007 but, uh, or 2008, but uh, we are still in the beginning And when it comes to crypto. So I think that, that that's definitely my passion. And, um, and of course, I want to do with this software something that happened with the beginning of the internet. That is, I want to make it scalable for everyone in the planet. Yeah. And um, and I think a, a big thing right now that is happening, and that's where crypto came and, and all the blockchain is, is that um, in the end, if we have to create value for, for, for everyone. And of course, make money and make value. And I think the challenge that we have at the moment is that we have a huge amount of technology that is creating uh, empires and very good money for the shareholders, yeah. but not so much for the rest of the world. So we have to reverse, reverse engineer that. And that's why I can, that's why I'm excited about this, but I'm as well doing a lot of work on education. It's one of the things I like about your podcast and about your, your project is the education part. And, and I have the publishing part of my company that is very important, more on the research side and uh, on the education side. 
Yeah, well, mate, it sounds like we're going to have to probably do a little bit more than just interview each other here because um, we're both sort of from a very similar, um, well, we've both got the same sort of drive and the same sort of goals. I mean, my whole thing is to help empower people to be the best trader they can be. You know, gone are the days where, you know, traders just worked in banks uh, or hedge funds. I mean, I've, I've never worked in a bank or hedge fund. I had my own small fund um, and didn't quite enjoy it as much as, as managing my own money. Uh, so that's what I've been doing the whole time. And you know, people, people understanding, and this is, comes back to what you're saying about crypto and blockchain itself is, you know, and, and the internet, now that we've got a segue for that, 30 years old today, happy birthday, internet. Thank you for everything. Thank you for creating the world that I live in and allowing me to work for myself <laughs> and all over exactly. the world. I appreciate it. You exactly. know, thank you wherever you are. Um, <laughs> you know, like, Tim Burns lyrics. Thank you. <laughs> it's about that access. It's about allowing people to grow and develop. And that's where value comes from. If we can help others put themselves in a different position. Now, whether that be somebody in a third world being able to um, not just have to use cash, uh, but be able to be banked, be able to become someone who's got their identity even, like refugees that flee a country. They own land in that country, but there's no link back to that land. When they go back in 10 years, there is nothing there for them to use and to, to make claim to. These sorts of things, not just monetary that people, that we can really connect people and create value. And if we can help enough people to understand that, well, we get the, uh, the technology growing and becoming more mainstream. And guess what? For those out there that are purely speculating, well, then that also helps us as well. It's just a wonderful part, um, part of technology to be a part of and uh, continue to just shout from the rafters to teach people and help them understand through interviewing people like yourself. I mean, it's, uh, there's just so much that can be done. It's the most exciting industry that I've ever been in. Is that sort of on par with what you say? I mean, I'm a little bit younger than what you are. Um, is it the same sort of thing for you? Is, is this the most groundbreaking technology since the internet in your eyes? No doubt. I think, I think we, this is kind of, uh, actually one of my books is precisely um, blockchain, AI and crypto economics, the next tsunami question mark. And I, think, uh, and I think the challenge we have right now is, is this is the most, most powerful technology, but it's all the way we use it. Mm. And I think... Uh, in order to make it mainstream, I think if you look from a perspective of history of money and history of finance, um, we, we have a, a challenge that we, we came to the 21st century trying to create value and money and digitizing money. And of course, as the global economy becomes digitized, and, and I think we are still far from that because only the world economy is only around 10 to 15% digitized. So mm -hmm. that's still 95% or 85, depending on the, the, the way we look at benchmark that to take out of the paper money and the paper economy. So the challenge right now is that on the top of that, and this is probably where crypto has a big paper to make, is that if you look at finance, is 90% digitized. But most of the digitization of money uh, and the financial industry has been made on kind of a speculate, speculative way. And worse than that, if you look at central banks, which is probably the biggest challenge, is mostly fake money. And, mm. and of course, it's not done to screw up people. It's mostly done because it's the only way they know how to keep the economies going. Keep it balanced. So, that, yeah. Yeah. so we have a big challenge because as we automate society and we bring artificial intelligence and blockchain, we cannot fake things. Even if we have some governments trying to do that or some politicians, the numbers will still be numbers. So we'll have a big problem is that... Uh, the world debt is around different sources, $250 trillion to $300 trillion 
according to whatever source you do, but the world economy is all, only around 80 trillion or 85 trillion. So we have, yeah, and I think that's where the crypto can actually help a lot, but it depends on the way you're going to bring it to society, how we're going to be, um, I don't know, what is going to happen with the ICOs, which is still kind of a, in a beer market and some, some people thought it was dead, but now it's coming back again. So and the STOs and all these kind of things. And of course, I'm going to use the, the, the crypto to digitize the economy or to tokenize the economy. So these are kind of a lot of questions that we have to answer. And of course, there's the trading part of it, which is right now unstoppable. And it's actually replacing the entire trading industry. Yeah. At the moment, I think if you're in trading, you are in crypto. Yeah. So you might have the Forex conventional, but crypto is already getting there. Absolutely. Yeah. And we just need to see the, the liquidity step up. And I think a lot of the things, if, if you look at what's driving, whatever drives, um, you know, what drives new economies, what drives new technology, it is that sector. It is the speculative nature that the futures products, the leverage products that really start to drive and push because once that money comes in, it doesn't go away. It starts, it seeps in, then it really starts to waterfall. And when that occurs, we do see bigger investments come in. I mean, if you look at just the, a very quick look at JP Morgan, for example, we know it's Bitcoin's a fraud. Oops, no, it's not a fraud. Oh, here's our coin ourselves. I mean, that is really the, the ultimate um, uh, proof, if you will, uh, about what institutions are like. And I, I did say this back at the end, uh, the start of 2018, when all this was being said, it's about you know, investment bankers, investment banks. What they do is quite simple. They focus on making money. You know, so they, as soon as they've got a product, as soon as there's demand from their clientele, they will create a product and then they will sell it and then they will be right. So that's the way it works. They have to be right all the time. Um, that's just the way the nature of the beast is. And they've eventually got to a point now where we do see more institutions becoming involved. Now, throughout 2018, we definitely saw, I guess, a um, coming off of the ICO flavor. Uh, it went from a, a beautiful flat white to a horrible, horrible quadruple black that nobody wanted to go near. Okay. It was very intimidating because a lot of projects just flopped very heavily. What's the future for our STO markets? Do you think we're going to see something like that? Or do you think we're going to learn from our lessons and we're going to see more investment from traditional market vehicles, creating liquidity in, in, uh, in products that don't generally have a lot of liquidity? Yeah, it's, uh, so it's, uh, it's a big question, but uh, I think, uh, we have to separate, I think, in your question, there's three, almost three questions. One thing is the, the ICO market. Um, the second is, of course, the tokens and the crypto that comes out of the ICO market. Yeah. Uh, which at the moment, like you said, 2018 was kind of, a, um, kind of a death of most of it. But still, I think on the ICO market, just to answer to that part first, I always had an opinion that the ICO market is kind of a... Um, in one end, uh, um, a reinforcement of the stock market in a lot of ways. Um, of course, this is a lot of there's a lot of nuances here. But I think the point is that if you are investing in an ICO, and which was most of the people are investing, or, or we cannot call it investment or whatever the stuff, but I, I can I, I have some financial background, so I I know <laughs> how, how what kind of can use in compliance and not. Yep. But I think if you look from a pure perspective of of um, of ICO and, and, and part of investing in an ICO, you are investing based on, on a presumption that there's a company that is going to be creating value, is going to be creating a product, a team, and so forth, which is not different what a VC does. <laughs> and at the end of the day, what all the, the investment world does. 
because it's all based on speculation and speculation is what makes society and capitalism the way, the strength that we have right now. So I think the, what happened was that this went too fast and, yeah. uh, and we it went suddenly from, first I remember that I did my first ICO where I was invest, involved heavily in April, 2017. And the amount we got was at the time was $5 million, which was one of the top uh, 20 ICOs in the world. And of course, in December was nothing. But in December, the five million dollars that we got in in, a, in April were over one hundred million. So, so I think the point right now is much more okay. Um, that happened very fast, and mm. uh, it scared a lot of people. And at the same time, a lot of people that got into this got very greedy. Yeah. So, um, I, I think I took actually probably one of the few, few people in the industry that I took zero money out of the ICOs I was involved. So, <laughs> I can speak for myself. I, I risk a lot, but yeah. I, I did it deliberately because I know that when you get into money, you have to pay uh, interest on that, or you have to pay taxes, or you have to pay some stuff. I don't believe in easy money. I don't believe in, in as well doing things just for the sake because. In the end of the day, the economy exists for you to, to have some security. And I think that was what happened in 2018. That was a, sh- a reality check. So that answers, I think, probably the first point is that the reality yeah. check was important to cut the greediness. And I think it was very good that happened because if you see in December 2017, the, the crypto world was $700 billion. If we would reach $1 trillion, would be a huge chunk of the world economy. Uh, and the velocity that it was was too crazy. It was not infrastructure done. There was no, no KIC. There was no nothing. And of course, we can always think that we don't need governments. We don't need whatever the stuff. Well, it's some of the most ultra-liberal people in the industry. But we need it because we don't want to be screwed up as well. <laughs> and yeah. as well, anyone that is investing or trading, you want to make sure that you have some, some guarantees. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think that's the point one. And the other thing as well, and that's why I created BlockCNA is that if you look at my Ether wallet, it's a complete disgrace in terms of your UX. And yep. you cannot continue putting all your tokens in a cold wallet. It's completely primitive. It doesn't make any sense. And 90% of the hacking is mostly when you pl- plug in your cold wallet with some internet device. So, uh, and of course, a lot of them based on stupidity and all the things. But, but I think the problem right now is that from a technology perspective, there was no infrastructure. Um, that's point one. And point two from a pure financial and trading perspective, we went from zero to two millions and trillions in this case, or billions uh, without the preparation. So of course, we need to readjust to come back to reality. So in one end, I was very happy that that happened. Of course, probably not the way it was done. And of course, you mentioned JP Morgan, for instance. JP Morgan never stopped investing on blockchain, which is a paradox because the guy was criticizing public the stuff. And then at the same yep. time, he was one of the biggest investors in blockchain technology. So. There's the blockchain technology and there's the crypto technology, which is two different things. Um, so I think we enable the two parts. So that, that part is very important. Yes, STO. I don't know if it makes sense to have an STO and probably I'm going to be brainstorming with you. But, but the point is that what's the difference between an STO and the stock market or an ICO? Yeah. So, so it's kind of a... Even if the principles is to readjust the ICO, is there's one thing from a technologist's perspective and from a um, even a pure uh, precision is that every ICO has a smart contract. So any government that has a bit of intelligence can just ask to check the records of a smart contract, yeah. and you can check everything. 
So you can check all the good things and the bad things that were done. And I think you can go and look at this retrospectively. So I think it's kind of a lack of knowledge that people trying to criticize the ICOs. The ICO in itself is a fantastic tool. Mm. The way you use it is different. And of course, the way the exchanges start trying to just get some crazy enough. But this happened in the beginning of the dot-com, actually much worse because the dot-com was $80 trillion. Yeah. So, so I think, to be honest, the technology in, in, in the case of the ICO was actually good. The principles were good. The execution was not perfect, but come on, like, look at all the investment world. <laughs> if you look at the... It really is world, when it starts, right? And, and that's, for instance, I met one of the founders of NASDAQ. And what it told me is that compared to what Nasdaq started to what the ICO world is, that it was much more Wild West. And it much, lasted much, longer. It lasted, I mean, I think well, it was, it still I think it was 80, 75 or 80 trillion at the peak, right? That was, that was right. the second boom, right? There was a 93, 94, 95 type run. And then they went through to the 1999. So it really started to ramp after that. And that's where things really, really got silly. So if we've just been through 93, 94, 95, what's coming next for our space? Possibly, you know, if you look at the, um, the amount of accounts that we have right now, I think it's about 50 million accounts in the space. When you look at the internet, 50% of the world's on the internet now. So the penetration point is so low right now for crypto that, you know, as we see more and more development, more and more mainstream, more and more so true, true solutions, um, I think we're going to see some companies that are going to get valued very, very high. Like at the moment, what we're seeing is the exchanges getting valued very high uh, on based on their revenue models. You know, Kraken's $4 billion, Coinbase is $8 billion, They go on and on. But these are business models that actually have revenue. Um, so that's like sort of a rubber hitting the road. They're a real revenue creating business. I think as more and more of these businesses are tokenized businesses, these, you know, in our crypto society, crypto ecosystem become more revenue focused and start to truly do some things that are quite cool, executing their plan and bringing the public into it. I think once we see those valuations get really silly, it's going to be very sexy again. And when it becomes very sexy again, I think then we'll see the next really big boom in those sorts of technologies. And subsequently, there'll be a lot of people that make millions and billions, and then there'll be a big drop again. And then we'll go through the next phase, which will be really creating the NASDAQ as what the NASDAQ is today, which is stable, strong, secure, and a normal asset class because all the hypes disappeared. Yes. I'm completely with you. But I think there's, we need to put two, two details there. So I think one is, so the, if you look at the, the initially of trading, NASDAQ and everything was trading. Okay, so, and it was purely from a business, or from a trading perspective, financial investment perspective. In the case of crypto, it has a component, like you mentioned before, of social as well. Mm -hmm. So in the end of the day, for instance, well, at the moment, we don't have still uh, any crypto that became mainstream. But there's the possibility of crypto replacing a huge amount of the world transactions of money. And that is something that is not just about trading. We're talking about really disrupting the world economy. Yeah, uh, I think Ripple is trying to do that, but it has some flaws and they have to do a lot of work. But the point is that if you have like a token that, for instance, right now, well, I think Facebook is playing with fire because they have so much monopoly things. But what they're trying to do, of course, if they start using a token in the platform, they will be immediately the biggest currency in the planet because they yeah. have 1.3 billion people. Um, and it, it, in the end of the day, they have already transactions there. It's just a question of how they're going to do it from a, a legal perspective. And of course, they have all the monopoly stuff. But that will happen. So I think we need to put a third layer that is the layer of 
mainstream of the crypto or tokenization or whatever we call it. And I think that's for me the biggest part. And then another note in, in Wendell there or something we need to highlight is, is the area of, um, like you said, GP Morgan's just one, but all the major Wall Street players are coming to this big time. Yeah. And normally they tend to be the ones that screw up with the greediness because mm -hmm. they have much bigger instruments to push the greediness and things like that. So I'm always afraid of the way they might try to, to take this in one direction or the other. But I, I would prefer to go in the direction of taking this mainstream and making it easier. Because would, if we would mainstream crypto in a good way, we could actually cut the corruption uh, that exists in the world. Of course, we probably would create a lot of issues for a lot of institutionalized people, but yeah. that is possible in theory. Uh, I think right now the technology is there, the possibilities is there, and the knowledge is there. And to be honest, we'd save billions of dollars because if you look, a huge percentage of the world economy is still paper. Yeah. So uh, it would, and it would, even from a sustainability perspective, mm -hmm. even with the, the Bitcoin mining issues, it's still cheaper than all the millions and millions of paper that has been created and trees. Uh, so there's a pure technological, a pure, yeah, there's these layers that I think is important to consider for traders and for investors, but as well for, for people that are part, because it's our future as well. We define what we, and normally, it's like the electricity was invented at the beginning of the 20th century, but never became mainstream in terms of cars. And uh, it was necessary some crazy guy like Elon Musk to try to mainstream electric cars. So sometimes it's about persistence of one idea yeah. versus the other. And I think crypto is right now about, I think we need leaders in the industry that can actually take this more serious because it's been a lot of, I think Vitalik has been doing fantastic work, but he's too young. He doesn't have maturity enough for this. Yep. And we need people with more maturity. And I think that's probably the challenge we have right now in the crypto industry. Look, I couldn't agree more with you. Maturity in the space, maturity from the people, maturity from the people and the groups, maturity just across the board is what's needed. But, you know, that's the problem. Well, that's the problem, but that's also the, the, the exciting part of it. We are in our infancy in something that is truly transformational. And it's up to us to decide how we take this, where we take this. And when I say us, I mean, as a society, how we develop from here is up to the businesses. Really, it's up to the governments. It's up to the individuals and what the people want. But Dennis, it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you. I could literally talk to you all day about this. We've got a lot more to say, I'm sure. I'd love to have you on again down the track. But for the sake of the audience, I'll keep this relatively short so they can all listen to it start to finish. Can you just tell everybody where they can find out more information about you and what you're doing? Yeah, so I'm very active on Twitter. I have uh, it's probably my biggest channel. So it's my name, Dinis Guarda. Um, so it's very easy to find. Uh, then, of course, my my company, Studium.com, um, but it's more okay. of course we're building technology products. It's not completely mainstream, although some of our products will be used by millions of people and probably billions. I hope, and I'm working for that. Um, but I definitely, for me personal, and I put a lot of my personal activism and, and work on this. And then, of course, in my website, it's one of our websites, IntelligentHQ.com. I write a lot about some of the ideas I've been writing about, uh, mostly about blockchain AI, but as a lot about crypto ICOs and stuff like that, although at the moment, and then of course, in Edgefink, I, I try to write more about the ideas of uh, finance, investment, and trends about that. Well, it's an absolute pleasure, guys. Get across Dinis Guarda. I'm going to have it obviously across my Twitter and Facebook and whatnot. You've got to find the socials and then go through all the different channels to find this man and what he's doing. Fascinating stuff, a huge amount still to do, but it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for your time today. And ladies and gentlemen, thanks once again. Bye for now. Thank you so much for having me.
The Trader Cobb Crypto Podcast is hosted by Craig Cobb. All Trader Cobb courses, products, and tools can be found at tradercobb.com because experience matters. Thank you.